Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. Um, Today, I have with me as our special guest, uh, Brandon Moncrief. Uh, Brandon, say hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, we're, we're glad to have you here. We're really excited about today's subject. Um, Brandon, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Now, I know you're a transition expert, um, but go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, based in Texas, um, I have a finance degree and coming straight out of college, joined a small finance company out of the Houston area that specialized in lending money to dentists. Um, so I spent nine years there. Uh doing everything from underwriting dental loans all the way up to when I exited that company, I was the director of business development. So I uh, worked with uh, all the dental brokers across the country, accountants, uh, attorneys, um, doing practice financing, involved in practice transitions on a daily basis. And uh, about almost 10 years ago, um, decided to become a, a dental broker and purchased uh, my company, McLaren and Associates, and currently partners in, in that company with uh, my brother and another gentleman in Houston. And uh, we now specialize in doing practice transitions from a doctor to doctor perspective in Texas and the surrounding states and from a DSO private equity perspective uh, nationwide. Yeah, so. Um... Thank you for sharing that with us. Obviously, you know the finance background of this inside now. Um, I know that you have quite a bit of experience um, and transitions, but today's topic is is a little bit of a hot topic uh, in the industry today and a dilemma that a lot of dentists have, which is should they sell their practice to a DSO? So jump right in and uh, tell us what you know about that and uh, share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's obviously been a growing trend towards successful practice owners selling to or partnering with DSOs over the past few years. And uh, I'll be quite honest, up until a few years ago, in many of the conversations with our sellers, DSO was a four-letter word. It's not something that we even uh, broached as far as a topic of conversation. Uh, So traditionally speaking, we just did doctor-to-doctor transactions. Uh, But as the administrative burden of practice ownership has grown, And as the value of large practices uh, has begun to increase dramatically from a private equity perspective compared to a a private buyer perspective, uh, many doctors with successful offices for one reason or the other have decided to go the DSO route and uh, sell to or partner with the DSO. So while up until a few years ago, many people didn't even want to broach the topic. We're actually getting more and more phone calls from successful practice owners asking, you know, should I do this? Tell me about this. Educate me about my options. What is my practice worth from a DSO private equity perspective? So we've pivoted our business to, to now spend a lot of time on educating our clients uh, about this option and if it's a good fit for them or not and uh, why they may or may not be compelled to, to consider the option. And anybody that's listening to this that has a practice with revenue of a million dollars or more that's in an attractive market, 
where people want to own practices have probably been heavily solicited, likely by direct mail or cold calls from DSOs who are pursuing acquisition opportunities. Um, and we're big on get educated, understand your options, create a competitive environment. Don't just respond to some unsolicited offer or, you know, you have a bad day and, you know, you pick up the phone and you, you call uh, because you got a letter from a potential DSO buyer. And before you know it, you've inked a deal to sell your practice. Uh, they may not be the right DSO for you. Selling to a DSO might not have been the right decision for you. Or you may have left hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table because you only talked to one buyer and, and didn't shop the opportunity uh, to multiple suitors. So a um, lot to kind of dive into here. Let's, there's, there's clearly pros and cons, right? And I know that every, every single transition is different. I, I, and I'm not an expert by any means in this, but I, I have to imagine every dental practice is different. I've never, there's snowflakes in the sense that I've never seen two that are alike ever, similar, but never alike. Every single market's different, and right? So from, you know, what Los Angeles is very different than Denver is very different than Sioux Falls, right? So I have to imagine there's a lot of differences there too, but what are the typical pros and cons that, um, what is a pro and con list or, or what do you see the, um, the big differences between selling private and selling DSO? What, what is that dilemma about? Tell, yeah, great. Deeper into that for me. Yeah, great, great question. So why you would typically consider, I guess you really have to start with your why. You know, why, one, why are you looking to sell your practice? Um, that's a huge question. Are you looking at uh, a transition in the sense that you're looking at relocating or retiring? Um, is it strictly a financial decision? Or like many of our clients who look at the DSO option, have you become a victim of your own success in the sense that, uh, you've built uh, a practice that is so large that it requires a, a huge amount of your time and energy from an administrative perspective. Uh, you know, more money, more problems. The, the higher your revenue, uh, the more productive you are, the bigger the staff you need, the bigger facility, uh, the larger your overhead expense on the first day of the month when you get out of bed. You know, you know that you have to produce $200,000 that month just to, to pay your overhead. So it starts with why. Why are you considering selling your practice? Uh, the reality is if you wait, if you have a smaller practice with revenue under a million dollars, no, you're probably not going to be a fit for uh, a DSO buyer. You're not going to generate the cash flow, the, the EBITDA, which is a big buzzword in the private equity DSO world in order for the practice uh, to be attractive to DSO buyers or to sell for a premium compared to uh, a, a private party. Um, so size does dictate that. Also, if you wait until the day you're ready to sell and retire or ready to relocate, if you have a, uh, a reason for selling that is going to essentially remove you from your office within a relatively short period of time, a DSO sale likely isn't going to be a fit for you because most of the time they're going to require that you stay on a year, two years, three years, five years post-close uh, in order to consider you a, a viable candidate. So if you're a smaller practice or you're looking to make a more immediate transition out of your practice, by default, you're really going to be looking at a, a private buyer. Um, the advantages in selling to a private buyer is... Uh, 
it's there's probably going to be less due diligence involved. You're going to get 100% financing, uh, cash at close. Um, so those are both big advantages. And the practice is going to look and feel likely traditionally as it has for the past 10, 20, 30 years that, that you've owned it. It's going to kind of preserve your legacy from a transitional standpoint, your staff and your patients, assuming the buyer is a good fit, uh, it's really going to feel like the, the the same office it's always been. Uh, sure. From a, a DSO, uh, now the drawbacks with, with a private buyer are, um, it's more of an emotional process for a single doctor to, to buy your practice. Um, and it's an emotional process to sell a, a practice. And then there's a lot of money involved on, on both sides. So it can be um, difficult to navigate the process and, and make it to the finish line with the goodwill between the parties intact. That's really where our expertise comes in. Um, so it, it's a little bit more nuanced and uh, not as structured when you look to sell to a private buyer as opposed to uh, a DSO buyer. Um, if you're a larger practice, financially speaking, typically in the DSO private equity world, your practice is going to be worth more than it is in the private buyer world. And as you approach about 1.5 million in revenue is where the DSO private equity valuation tends to really run away from the, the private party valuation. Uh, some of that it has to do with financing. You know, when lenders, when the loan amounts get up over a million dollars, lenders get a little bit more nervous. And the larger the practice, the uh, the smaller the buyer pool because not not every uh, dentist can produce dentistry at that level or has the competence from a business perspective to manage a practice of that size. So uh, pros are, you know, continuation of, of your legacy, um, not a lot of change involved. And uh, cons are, are more of, you know, the financial side of it, as well as the fact that if you want to sell your practice and continue working in it post-close, unless your practice is of a certain size from a both facility and revenue standpoint, there might not be room for you to continue working there post-close if the buyer, if it's going to be the buyer's baby and they're planning right. on working there full time. So that's that's kind of what's created a perfect storm from a DSO private equity buyer perspective is we've got a lot of doctors that have successful larger practices that want to de-risk and want to take some chips off the table. They can get a lot more money from a valuation perspective from a DSO buyer and they can continue working in their practice for the next two, three, four, five, ten 10 years until they're ready to transition in retirement. So it allows them to put a nest egg in the bank and then continue working in their own office with the infrastructure and administrative support of a, a DSO buyer, DSO partner. So the ability to continue working in your practice post-close, long-term, the financial uh, consideration that a DSO brings to the table from from a valuation perspective above and beyond what a private buyer can provide and then that administrative infrastructural support 
that a, a DSO buyer provides are all advantages on the, the DSO side. Um, now, some disadvantages on the DSO side are you, know, you have to make sure that you partner with the right DSO from a, a fit perspective. You know, are they going to allow you to retain your clinical autonomy? Do they truly have the infrastructure and the support to uh, to support you following the sale? Uh, do they know what they're doing? Do they know how to manage a dental practice? Do they stay in their lane? Do they focus on helping you from a business perspective and allow you that clinical autonomy? Those things are all critically important. Typically in a DSO sale, while you're going to get a premium for your practice from a valuation standpoint, you're not going to get 100% cash at close. So you might get 60, 70, 80% cash at close, and then the remainder is going to be put on an earnout typically contingent upon you fulfilling some type of employment agreement for two or three years post-close, as well as the practice maintaining its revenue level during that period of time. So if you're looking at, for simplicity purposes, a million dollar practice sale to a DSO, you might get $700,000 cash at close, really kind of more in line with a private buyer valuation. And then 300,000 payable over three years contingent upon you working three days a week and the practice revenue maintaining at the level it was at when you sold the office. Um, so, you know, there's, there's kind of levers on both sides, uh, positive and negative when it comes to private buyer sale versus uh, a DSO sale. And then the, um, I'd like to kind of shift here a little bit and talk about steps that practice can take today. And with that being said, I'm, I'm not an expert in this area, but I have to imagine that um, a lot of practices kind of decide to sell way later on a life than they probably should. In other words, they're getting towards retirement age, they have a significant injury and it's like, hey, you know, I'm not coming back to work for six months, I better sell today. Um, I have to imagine that scenario happens, yes? All the time. Yeah. So um, with that being said, when is the right time for um, in someone's career, typically, and obviously not every practice is the same, not every dentist is the same, but typically um, how far away from retirement or how far away from wanting to take an extended period of time off or possibly sell to a DSO should uh, a dentist reach out to an expert such as yourself? We try to get in front of our clients three to five years in advance of uh, a potential sale. Um, we typically start with evaluation, like let's figure out what you have today. Where, what are the pluses and minuses and what are the potential changes that you can make to make your practice more valuable, more marketable leading up to sale? Just as important as that, what uh, missteps can you avoid? Because a lot of times we do sit down with clients that we've met for the first time. They are ready to sell yesterday and we start looking at the financials and the practice has been declining, you know, year over year for several years. Uh, we often, rec more recently, we've seen people make the decision to go out of network and drop all their PPO plans uh, a couple of years prior to a sale, which can lead to patient attrition and a downward trend in revenue. Uh, we've seen, you know, clients that haven't updated their office in 20 years and uh, they're, they're not digital, they don't have a pano, practice management software, IT isn't HIPAA compliant, um, all kinds of issues that when it comes to 
selling your practice, they're going to impact value and they're going to impact marketability. Um, the millennial mindset has, has kind of changed uh, what our buyer looks like and has influenced practice value over the past few years. I mean, young doctors are coming out of school with a, typically a tremendous amount of student loan debt and high lifestyle expectations. You combine those two things and they need to buy a larger practice with substantial cash flow in order to substantiate their personal living expense needs. So we're finding that practices with revenue of say 750,000 to 1.2 million are kind of the sweet spot in, in the private buyer world. Practices with revenue over 1.2 million all the way up to 10 million are kind of the sweet spot in the DSO world. And then practices with revenue of, let's call it under five, 600,000 are becoming increasingly difficult to sell. Um, so if you've got an antiquated facility, maybe you're tucked away in a professional building and you have revenue of 600,000 or less, up until a few years ago, I could sell almost any practice. Those practices that fit that profile are becoming increasingly difficult to sell. And we're seeing those sell more as like merger candidates or, or, or things of that nature in today's environment. So right. go ahead. No, Brandon, um, I was going to ask you one last and final question. Um, if you need to finish your thought, please do. But the, the final question I'm going to ask is, um, and real quickly, how does how does a dentist find a, a trusted professional to help them with this? Um, there's a lot of people, you know, in transitions. Um, some have experience, some don't. Some are new. Some have been around for a while. What's a how do you find a, an expert to help you? How do you vet that process? Appreciate that question. I'm gonna get to that in two seconds. I wanna I wanna add one thing about prior planning when it comes to a practice sale. So we talked about things that can impact value and marketability. But if you wait to call somebody like me or put your practice on the market until the day you're ready to retire or relocate, exit your practice, you, you've limited your options in regards to how you can transition to practice. So if you wait until that day, really the default is sell and work back uh, or sell and walk away. As opposed to if you started planning a few years in advance, you can talk about a phase transition associated to purchase. You can talk about a DSO sale, which requires a multi-year work back. So that the sooner you start planning for your transition, the more transition strategies that are available to you to utilize in regards to the sale of your practice. But to, to move on to your last question, uh, I mean, reputation is, is everything. So you need to look at Google reviews. You need to talk to your peers, whether you're looking at hiring a, a broker or whether it be a CPA or attorney, they need to be dental specific. They need to have a long track record. This is a regional business. So they need to, for the most part, they need to understand your local marketplace, especially if you're looking at doing a private party transaction. Um, that's why we limit ourselves to just a handful of states because we have extensive knowledge about the demographics and the locale and buyer relationships in, in those states, as opposed to DSO transactions you know, you can work with more of a, a nationwide uh, type firm, but reputations, everything. Um, and then as you start to interview uh, potential, uh, whether it be brokers, CPAs, attorneys, come with a list of questions. 
and and how those questions are answered, how articulate and how professional they're answered will kind of tell you, you know, who you should be working with and who you should stay away from. Brandon, it's been a pleasure having you on. It's great information. Uh, I want to encourage our office uh, to reach out um, to Brandon. Uh, best way to get a hold of you, uh, dentaltransitions.com is your website. Contact information's on there. Um, Brandon, thank you so much. Really appreciate your wisdom. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. Take care. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.